<laughs> hey there, designers. Welcome to the huddle. Today, we're going to be diving into what else? UX design. Specifically, we're going to be looking at what is UX design. We're going to be taking a little dive into the history and defining some of the different roles that have emerged within the industry. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump right in. joining us for the first time we are huddle i'm meg i'm mel and i'm cam and we're your hosts we dive into the world of ux and help you take your skills to the next level um, as i shared in the intro we are diving into the wonderful world of ux today and defining what exactly that is uh, but before we take a look at what ux really is cam could you take us through some of the history and where we really saw that emerge from yeah totally um so design in a lot of senses has always existed and the needs of users again always They've been there. They have just not been connected in a really formal way um, until, let's say, the last like 20 or 30 years. So we saw the kind of formalization of design process over the last like 100, 120 years, thereabouts. And with the advent of computers, we started to develop interfaces um, for users to accomplish goals um, with technology. So in the late... 90s or the early 90s, we had Don Norman, who is kind of one of the fathers of UX design in a lot of ways. He coined the term user experience uh, and user experience design. So what that really means is we're designing with users at the center of the problem and the solution. So like I mentioned in the early 90s, that was kind of a coined term. And then it gained a lot of popularity as we saw the internet kind of explode in popularity. And it entered the homes of basically everyone in the, um, you know, in the world. So as we started to have more websites and interfaces for products being designed, we needed more and more designers on those teams. Um, but the thing is, Developers, they kind of shouldered a lot of that burden. Um, we don't see it as a burden. We see it as an opportunity. But it was something that those developers had to physically code all of these different uh, programs. But they also had to develop a UI. And for a lot of developers, it might have been an afterthought at the time. So with the internet having gained popularity through the 90s and 2000s, 2007, uh, Steve Jobs gave his keynote presentation of the iPhone. So that is kind of a big turning point in what what, what happened. Um, so I actually watched it recently, and the crowd goes wild just when he unlocks that phone. It makes a click. It's, you know, the interaction that was designed there is very intentional. And our UI for iOS has come a very long way. We're using like, I think iOS 15 or something like this, uh, in 2023. Um, but yeah, so that 2007 keynote and the launch of the iPhone basically, you know, transitioned the whole mobile, you know, phone industry and tablets came after that. And we just started developing needs for these smaller screens. And so with all of these new dimensions that needed to be designed around, we had an explosion of 
you know, products being built and designers being employed. Um, and 2012 was kind of that big turning point where basically everyone had an iPhone starting right around then. Um, and fast forward to today, we have seen the adoption of UX design in the product cycle. And it is just something that has exploded in needs and in popularity. And, you know, much like many other designers, we ourselves have transitioned into this field. Um, so yeah, we have a lot of designers in the field and we're just kind of going through an awkward time in our industry where we're trying to place a lot of those designers. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a very rough overview of what UX design's history is. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, you know, you could write a whole book on it, but those are the Coles notes. Mm -hmm. And I love that you mentioned Apple because I know that that is often heralded as a time that the UX role was really carved out as a unique role um, and a role that we saw such a need for. Um, I know that the Forrester Group has a study on the ROI of a UX designer and it's something like 9,900%. Uh, return on investment for for spending money on UX design, and that's that's not me misspeaking. That's almost ten thousand percent. I think another number they had was for every one dollar invested in UX, you get a hundred dollars back in return. It's just such a crazy ROI, and I think that that really the carving and that was recognized through the carving out of that role and through the decade that followed that we saw a proliferation of all of these different roles that then came out of that umbrella term. And we'll dive into that a little bit more later in the episode. But before we get into those murky waters, we're going to try to clear up some of the definitions on what exactly a UX designer is and what exactly UX design is. Uh, so Sarah Gibbon, she's the vice president of the Nielsen Norman Group. And she said, um, I heard her in a talk recently, and she said, that anything, anytime you are intentionally working to solve a problem, that is design. Um, and in that way, quite literally everyone can be a designer. But what exactly makes you a UX designer and what exactly are the nuances of UX design itself? Um, we can do a whole episode on what exactly design thinking and design processes are. Um, but one of the unique things about UX design is really the you in it, the user. It's the acknowledgement that at the very center of our role is our user and about developing a, pro a product that will ultimately serve the user, um, while, of course, keeping in mind business needs. But I think to really talk about what UX is, you kind of have to mention what the design thinking, human-centered design, and what the design process is. And we can do a whole episode on design processes and what exactly that looks like, what the different opinions are on processes. Um, but keep in mind that these processes are never linear. But just to give you a brief overview, most design processes will follow five steps um, and again, not in a linear order. And there is, of course, overlap and back and forth between all of these. Um, but it starts with usually defining a problem. That's your first step. Uh, figuring out with your user to figure out and, and pin down what exactly the problem that we're solving is. Uh, oftentimes, it's called figuring out your problem space. Uh, 
Then you'll be jumping into empathizing with your user, usually through conversations, through interviews, through interacting with your user one-on-one and and synthesizing down what pain points come out of that understanding and and come out of that research and understanding how your users currently go about solving their problem within your problem space, understanding how they, um, what the current issues are with the current ways that they're going about solving it, um, and basically figuring out from there the opportunities that you're then going to go into the third step, ideate, which is you're going to be coming up with a bunch of different solutions for how to solve that problem. You're going to be sketching it out, coming up with wireframes, thinking about the jobs to be done, thinking about like all of the different features that you can introduce that will most efficiently and most simply solve the problem for your user. You're then going to be prototyping that out, um, building out a prototype. That's your fourth step. And then, of course, getting it into your user's hands, the fifth step, which is testing. Um, Of course, like I said before, that is not clean and linear like that in the real world. And often you'll see, you know, maybe you're doing all of those five steps in one day really quickly just to get through an idea. Um, Maybe you're doing that over the span of weeks and crossing back between different things when you find out something in testing or you find out something in ideation that you're like, oh, wait, to go back, I need to go back to do more research on this. And um, another way of thinking about it is the double diamond process. Before I dive into the first of the four stages, I just wanted to highlight the beauty of the double diamond process in that it is iterative, meaning that Uh, Designers will often revisit previous stages and refine the work as new insights emerge. It's really flexible and adaptable, and it encourages us to constantly iterate and improve the design based on feedback that we get along the way, either from the business standpoint or from um, what we're hearing from our users. So while it's laid out in four stages, often it's not step by step and can jump back between other stages at any time. So moving into the first stage, uh, which is discovery, that's where in the process designers are going to be casting their net wide and diverging to conduct research to understand the problem that they're trying to solve, gain insights into the user's needs and expectations. And so this stage usually involves things like user interviews, surveys, competitive analysis. Um, it's all about asking questions to and gathering as much information as possible to inform the design process. And once that research is complete, we're gonna be converging and moving into the defined stage where designers will synthesize the data collected in the previous discovery phase and really define the problem that you're trying to solve. This is what we call a problem space. Uh, So think of deliverables such as user personas, journey maps, and defining design requirements, jobs to be done. Stage helps designers really to focus the efforts and establish a clear direction for the designed solution. Um, So with that clear problem statement in hand, we would then move on to the develop stage. So this is where we generate ideas and explore different design concepts through sketching, wireframing, prototyping, uh, this, so this stage is really where creativity and experimentation kind of come into play, um, allowing designers to iterate and refine ideas based on feedback and user testing. Um, and then finally, we have the deliver stage where we're going to be 
um, converging again. And in this stage, designers will really bring the refined design solution to life. Uh, so it involves creating that final UI interface. Um, and that would be where we'd also be conducting our usability testing and then preparing the design for implementation. Um, so that's really all about polishing the design and getting it ready for launch. Yeah, so those are the different processes that are usually seen that are unique to UX design specifically. Um, and some of the ways that are used in defining what UX is um, in a way that differentiates it from other types of design. Um, as Cam mentioned, design is cross-industry, and we see it across a bunch of different industries, and has seen such a huge evolution over the past two decades um, to the point where we now have quite a few different roles within UX design. Uh, Mel, could you break down some of the different roles for anyone who might be trying to navigate what those different roles mean, including myself? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, um, before this episode, I too have a lot of questions and confusions about the hundreds of different roles and titles within the UX industry. Because we all know UX, user experience design, it's an umbrella term. It contains like different other roles within that term, uh, ranging from UX researcher who are the people to do the UX research part of UX design. They're the core and fundamental of UX. They are the ones trying to understand our user. They are the ones conducting interviews and surveys to find out what the problem is and how to solve them. And after that, there are information architects, who are the people um, categorizing and organizing all the components that are going to be used uh, within a digital product. And uh, there are UX designers who are the ones designing the entire experience of a digital product. And they're the ones who are building wireframes and designing every component of a digital product. And after that, during the product developing process, there are UI designers who are kind of similar to interior designers in the physical world. Uh, they're the designers who are here to work on the overall look of the interface, what color to use, what type to use. And normally, a lot of UI designers also work on interactions, but there are also interaction designers who are specifically designing the user interaction of a digital product. That means they're the ones who are designing which button leads to which page, what gestures gonna open, what, what feature or component of a digital product. And that's pretty much the common roles within the umbrella term of UX design. And since UX is such a broad spectrum, so it really depends on the company or your employer, the um, UX designers might have to do all the roles I've just mentioned, or there might be UX designers who only work on one of those roles as a specialist. And that actually brings to a few terms that are quite common in this industry, which are generalist, specialist, T-shaped designer, and even unicorn designers. 
And um, I'm going to do a quick explanation on what are those. So first, generalist, that refers to UX designers who are able to um, carry an end-to-end um, product designing process, which basically are the designers who are going to do every role I just mentioned throughout the uh, product design process. And for entry-level designers, we can say, we, we can definitely say we are all generalists. Mm-hmm. I definitely know that when I was exiting boot camp, um, I found it quite attractive mm-hmm. to label myself as a generalist. <laughs> um, but I also think that that's something that a lot of juniors probably find themselves doing just because you have that non-committal. I don't exactly know which part of the process um, that I love the most. Um, I have a good indication of, of some of the process, the parts of the process that are the most familiar to me because they most align with my previous experience. Um, and I actually worried at first whether that would be a hindrance and if that would hold me back. Yeah, that's definitely something I've been concerned about. Yeah, but I know that I, uh, it's actually a question I've asked to more senior designers. And I most recently asked someone and, and they gave me the advice that, that, I guess not even advice. It was it was more reassurance that that's totally valid, that you can absolutely be a junior in your field and be open to exploring what the different roles are, and it's t- it's totally valid to not fully know exactly which part of the process that you want to be involved in. Um, and I've gotten advice that you know you can uh, you can either test it out by trying to get a role where you get to wear the many hats and seeing which part of that you like. I've also heard that you can pick a lane and, you know, pivot to a different lane down the road if that is not the lane for you. Um, and I think that I found a lot of re- reassurance in that personally, in knowing, um, especially since there are, you've already gone over so many different roles that you know, we can define ourselves as, I think it was reassuring to know that it's totally valid to not know exactly which lane of all of those you fall into. Absolutely. Since the industry is so dynamic, you can definitely like explore the many different aspects of UX before you realize, oh, that's the part I'm really good at. And I want to really like dig into that one specific aspect. And that actually leads to uh, the second term, specialist. That term refers to UX designers who specialize in one particular aspect of the uh, product design process. For example, there are uh, interaction designers who only work on the interaction parts of a product. And in a lot of cases, it really depends on the size of the company you are working for. There are um, maybe there are like hundreds of designers within a design team. So each designer, they might only work on, like, they are all specialists. They only work on a tiny aspects of the product. So they don't have to, like, wear many hats. Yeah, so think, like, Google would have yeah. probably design team, not only one design team, they would have many design mm-hmm. teams for all of their different features and all of the yeah. different parts of the Google business the Google product mm-hmm. um, that the Google universe, the Google universe, honest metaverse, I guess, to be more mm. apt. Um, 
But there would be all of these different design teams all overseeing different features, and then there would probably be a design team overseeing all of those design teams that see oversee strategy and vision planning. Growth and, and yeah, and timeless. I mean, and then you'd have the polar opposite mm-hmm. of like a startup where you would have the UX designer who's the head of design who mm-hmm. is doing all of that, who's wearing all of the hats and probably hats outside of their role as well. They see themselves as the marketer. They're also the, you know, yeah. the brand so, evangelist, like oh, yeah. social media manager, Stakeholder, et cetera, et cetera. Face. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I think that that's one of the things that like we find ourselves having to wear all of those hats because designers understand the intersection of the business needs and the user's needs. And Mm -hmm. we sometimes awkwardly have to stand at that intersection, but we do stand there all the same. Mm -hmm. For Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Like it's so interesting that it really sometimes depends on like your own situation there are many roles that are like it sounds like invented for like special like roles within the team or for the company needs i know there are ux illustrators working for wax those are basically illustrators but they are working within the ux team so they apply ux knowledge into digital illustration and provide illustration for ux needs and that actually links to another term, which is called T-shaped designers. Um, that's like a lot of like senior, more mid-senior level designers are trying to like figure out like their own specialty, like within being a generalist, uh, which is like a lot of designer, like our career goal is to be a T-shaped designer to really have this like strength. And um, yeah, like for example, there are T-shaped designers who can carry on uh, into an product design process, but like also they specialize in visual design. So that's an example of T-shaped designer. And other than that, I also mentioned there are unicorn designers. Those are the designers who are able to do code. So they're, they can either be designer or developer. And because of that, there are a few roles that people make hard of called things like uh, UX developer or UI developer. So those are the roles that require coding knowledge to um, to fulfill the role. And really, there are so many roles out there. And to be honest, I was as confused as a lot of people before this episode, before doing research. And it's so fascinating to see like how different those roles are and yet they're all within the UX family. Mm -hmm. And so that's all under our UX umbrella, but we also have the the umbrella of product design Mm -hmm. and product designer. I know that for myself, um, it was really easy first thing once we graduated from boot camp to just run to my LinkedIn and write in the byline product slash UX slash UI design. Um, But obviously we probably wouldn't want to do that. So how do we differentiate then between a product designer? (laughs) That's a really good question. Cause I, I feel like nowadays product designer and UX designer, those two terms are like really interchangeable and overlapping. But um, from my own interpretation, I think product designers are more of a broader spectrum than UX design. 
um, product designers, they really oversee the entire product uh, designing and developing process. They not only care about the design aspects of a product, but also the stakeholder needs, the commercial needs, and the business needs of a product. While as for UX designers, we only we have a narrow focus on the design part of it. That's my own interpretation. I could be wrong though, but yeah, I think that when it comes to these different terms, like I think they refer to roles, like mm-hmm. positions. It's like if you were to say you play football, like the next question is, do you what position do you play? And I think that that is what teams are made up of, is all of these different roles. But at the end of the day, we're all designers. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're designing a PDF that is then translated into research and then handed to a group of designers that starts to like pull out different pain points and needs from there, you still designed something. And I think that that's kind of where I don't really care too much about like what my role like title is. I will care a little bit, of course. But at the end of the day, like the way you see yourself, I think is just you should see yourself as a designer. Mm-hmm. And I think that in that way, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the UX design side of things doesn't see the business aspect, because I do think that we are heavily involved in the business side of things as well, and often will be working to create a product and a an ultimate design that is mindful of the business needs and is working to create the best solution at as low a cost for the business and as low, um, basically you're always trying to make the most high impact, low effort product. Um, I know that's usually how we prioritize design when we're going through the process. Um, so I know that, but I, I think it's, I think it's easy to get into these places where we're, we're trying to so heavily, figure out what this term means exactly because I think that there is so much murkiness in the field that we're like we'll be grasping at different definitions (laughs) to try to really nail down what something is and I think that that's actually kind of one of the beautiful things of the industry at the moment is that it's obvious how much it's growing and how much it's evolving Mm -hmm. and how much more nuance can be added to it as well. I'm sure this is not the end that we're seeing of branches of different, um, of different roles. And we haven't even made it through all the roles. I know even within product design itself, there's also service design. Um, like people invent roles. Oh yeah. They They tack tack UX to another term (laughs) and they, that gives them a raise. (laughs) I mean, I think that that's also, I'm sure that with the emergence of new technologies and the and the skyrocketing of AI, we'll also see, you know, roles within that carved out as well. Mm-hmm. Machine Absolutely. learning designer. <laughs> Speaking of service design, I actually had no idea before recording this episode. Um, I actually did a little bit of research to it to find out it's actually a branch of product design, but it's more focused on the backstage of the product experience. Mm-hmm. So instead of like directly um, connect with the user and the product, service designers, like from my interpretation and my learning, they're the ones who like really study the, um, the data of the user, like the information pulled from the user and link that with the database or the cloud services behind and 
process designing and experience reflecting on that. So I guess the difference between a service designer and a UX designer is UX is more straightforward, connecting with the u- user, while for like more front end. Oh yeah, like more like that, kind of like front end and back end, and yeah, service designers like back end, backstage, more about the data and the information behind. I mean, I think that that's also um, I've heard that that in and of itself will be an emerging mm-hmm. profession. It's not fully clearly defined. And I'm sure with the rise of SaaS, different SaaS companies and the mm-hmm. taking off of a lot of those, we'll also see even more carving out of what that role is. And I'm sure we're going to see <laughs> that become its own umbrella term Oh yeah, for different roles that we'll also see crop up in the future. Um, the great thing is, though, as we've talked, we don't mm-hmm. have to have it all figured out yet, and we yeah. don't have to put ourselves in one of those brackets just yet. I think that it's good to be in an exciting place where mm-hmm. you can discover all those different roles, and I'm excited to see where we find ourselves land. Yeah. Absolutely. Infinitely interesting. Um, it's the human need to categorize things, but when you kind of let go of that and understand that your career as a designer is just going to be ever-evolving and shifting, so you got to keep up, like, the world is changing week to week, it seems. So, yeah, um, I guess this is a good point to kind of ask our users, was mm-hmm. there anything that you felt you wanted us to cover in depth a little bit more that we kind of, you know, touched on this episode? Um, and that goes for any feedback. We would love to hear from mm-hmm. you. Let us know how we did. Did we make UX design more clear to you or did we just further murky the waters? Are you understanding what these different roles are or are you feeling even more confused than when we started let us know if you have a different definition of ux or a different definition of any of these roles please write in let us know we'd love to hear it yeah uh thank you for tuning in to all of our users thank you for joining us today uh that was the huddle we'll see you next time for listening to huddle we appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to hear more don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on spotify apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to watch along make sure to subscribe to our youtube and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode if you're feeling generous please leave us a review and rating on your favorite platform your feedback helps us improve our content and reach more people until next time keep learning growing and exploring Today's show was produced by Meg, Mel, and Cam, with help from Meg, Mel, and Cam. Editing from Cam, music from Half Cool, I'm Meg, thanks for joining the huddle.